interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello humans, it's Rob here, back again with Not A Robot Podcast to talk about DC Pride 2022, the so far yearly celebration from DC Comics featuring all sorts of LGBTQIA plus characters. We've also got a great group of humans, many of whom identify as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, and we are also from all over the Not A Robot Podcast network. So to start off, my name is Rob, he, him, and I identify as bisexual, and you can find me on Twitter at Rob underscore 2814. And with me today, we have Jessica. Hello, pronouns are she, her. I'm also bisexual, which means I'm in love with Stephanie Beatriz. You'll name me finally on the Pop Culture Roundtable. I've also jumped into War on Film, Marvel Comics, and an upcoming TV show podcast that hasn't been released yet. Right on. Yeah, Stephanie Beatrice rocks. And we have Caitlin. Hello. Uh, also bisexual. It's a big bi party. Uh, pronouns <laughs> TBD. You can find me on Twitter at MXThunderFunk uh, or on some Not a Robot podcasts like our MCU recap, our Star Wars podcast, um, and uh, still in uh, pre production Star Trek podcast but that does mean you can come talk to me about star trek on twitter pretty much anytime um especially if you are watching disco and ship detmer and awashikun <laughs> <laughs> perfect all right so we are here to talk about this year's dc pride collection for 2022 as I mentioned, the so far yearly celebration, I say so far because it's only the second year, and they did it last year, as well as Marvel, and I believe Marvel is also doing a Pride special again this year, which if it is coming out, if I believe in a couple of weeks, we will be uh, taking a look at that very soon. But for now, as I mentioned, DC Pride. Uh, just a quick recap on last year's. A big thing we were talking about is... There's not a lot of info on where to follow up with these characters. And we found a lot of the stories were kind of all over the place, while still interesting and fun, were very random. Uh, So I just wanted to go down the list of characters uh, to see over the past year if any of them actually popped up again. And it's maybe about half and half. So you start off with Batwoman, who did make a big appearance in Detective Comics, but she does not have her own series. I don't think any of these characters actually have their own series right now, except for one. Oh, two. Um, so he was in a big 12-part story in Detective Comics and then promptly disappeared. And then you had Midnighter, Constantine, and Gregorio. Midnighter is part of a big action comics event. Constantine makes sporadic appearances and out-of-continuity stories. And Gregorio just straight up left. He hasn't been seen since. <laughs> we don't know is what he happened missing? to him who knows I, I, honestly be, before last year i never even heard of the guy <laughs> i don't think he'd party. been in comics in like 30 years so i want an apb you know <laughs> it's a shame it's an interesting character um i hope somebody does something with him soon and then you had renee montoya uh who there's kind of two sides to renee montoya there's there's the cop detective renee montoya and there's the question renee montoya we had the question the superhero identity of renee montoya last year in dc pride but not 
I don't think she's the question in main continuity right now. So she she was in the books as detective and then police commissioner. So she is around in various titles, but very sporadic appearances and hard to really keep track. And you had Harley and Ivy, who... Harley's got her own series, and Ivy actually this past week started her own six-issue miniseries. So there's a lot of story going on between the two of them. Uh, so arguably the most popular characters in last year's collection uh so it, it's it's easy it's safe to say that uh, you're definitely going to find a lot of stories with those two then you had alan scott the golden age green lantern and his son obsidian uh, both of which had an appearance in uh the infinite frontier miniseries and then promptly disappeared hopefully more from them soon uh jess chambers who nowadays going by kid quick uh kind of sporadic appearances but we will be getting into them later on with this book they do have an appearance in this book as well this year's and they're also in the multiversity teen justice miniseries that launched this past week they need uh frequent flash anti-villain i guess pied piper sometimes a hero sometimes a bad person um that was it the only time you ever see Pied Piper is once (laughs) in a blue moon it's a dang shame because Pied Piper is pretty awesome Uh, then you had Dreamer of Supergirl fame uh, the made for TV technically superhero uh, on the Supergirl TV series played by actress Nicole Maines Uh, made her comic book debut last year but she has not been seen since until this year and then you had Jackson Hyde, who was Aquaman, bringing all the characters together for one big uh, Justice League Q uh, brouhaha to save a Pride Festival. Uh, he's actually got a lot going on, so he's in pretty much everything right now. So, so it is kind of half and half of characters that did return and characters that didn't. Fair enough. Yeah. Because specifically uh, in the forward, like... Nicole, who you mentioned played Dreamer, did the foreword for this one. She mentioned last mm-hmm. year's, and she made a couple comments where I was like, if these characters were just in the anthology and then didn't come back at all until this year, I would have had words. <laughs> but since it's happened, yeah. half, I'm less angry about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, think it... Nicole mentioned, too, that there she is now working on a Dreamer series. So we haven't mm-hmm. seen her in the comics since last year, but that that seems more like a timing issue than, yeah. you know, putting yeah. the character away. That mm-hmm. That's definitely a thing. Um, Which she, is good, busy because person. we stand Nicole Maines. <laughs> exactly. Uh, she, she's a very busy person. Not only is she an actress, I don't know if she's been acting recently, since Supergirl ended, but she's also a trans race activist and aspiring writer uh, who, as we mentioned, is writing an upcoming Dreamer comic book, uh, including, I believe, it's in the next month or two. I believe it's this month, actually. Dreamer's actually making an appearance in Superman's Son of Kal-El, which is co-written with Tom Taylor and Nicole Maines. So look forward to that. So there's going to be a lot of Nicole Maines and Dreamer coming forward. So that, that is going to be good. Um, yeah, so that's, that about does it. Yeah, honestly, a lot of the characters that kind of just didn't come back were very obscure characters that nobody's really heard of for years, (laughs) like Gregorio (laughs) and Pied Piper. (laughs) So, (laughs) I don't know. 
hopefully, like I said, hopefully somebody does something with them soon. And it's always fun to see some of the the lesser known characters. They tend to be more fun. But that was last year's, and we're on to this year's. So there are 12 new stories that are sure to delight, and some to maybe make you cry. So without further ado, let's get into it. We did mention a wonderful forward by Nicole Maines, definitely worth a read. She's got a lot of great things to say. But our first story is Super Pride. It's written by Devin Grayson with art by Nick Robles. Colors by Triana Farrell and letters from Aditya Bidikar. So this features John Kent, the newly crowned Superman, uh, going to his first Pride parade with his boyfriend Jay Nakamura and his best friend Damian Wayne, a.k.a. Robin. Not a lot of adventure and action going on in this. I think it's just a little nice story of uh, Damien showing support for his best friend and Jay and John actually just going out and being happy together, which is very nice to see. Uh, Also, Tom Taylor, thank you for not making Jay Nakamura a villain. Please keep it that way. They need to stay together. So what did you guys think about the first one? Jess, I know you had feelings. (laughs) I have many feelings about what I'm going to be calling exposition boxes throughout the anthology. Because I'm not a huge comic person, um, to me, when I see, like, usually it's dialogue bubbles or these little boxes that are, like, very quick to give you information to catch you up to speed about what's happening. Um, Or it's a character's, like, inner monologue to themselves, because they're obviously not talking out loud. In this one, I was jarred because it starts with they're fighting. Okay, cool. And then there's these little exposition boxes, is what I'm going to call them, because it's John explaining to the audience about the Superman symbol and its different meanings, because I assume he's not sitting there thinking to himself, like, ah, yes, the Superman symbol I wear on my chest. Like, I, I, as a person, don't sit around driving my car thinking about the things that my car represents. Like, I, I don't... <laughs> It in my brain didn't make sense to me why he was explaining this, I guess, is the best way to say it. So it feels like exposition. Fine. Okay, cool. Whatever. Then he meets up with Jay and, like, they go to Pride and stuff. And then it keeps going. And this is the important part of the exposition boxes. This part, I'm like, yes, I'm here for this. Is him saying, like, to the audience again, I see you. I'm part of you. There's no wrong way to be yourself. And it almost felt like they centered the whole comic around those three exposition boxes. <laughs> and I was like, that's not how you write a story. It is very short. Like, these aren't full, excuse me, full-length comics. But I just could hear my English teacher behind me, like, show, don't tell. So I was like, yeah, he's just telling us he <laughs> accepts them. And is part. And we see he's part of the community, but that Superman accepts them. I just felt like there would have been a way that you could have, like, John meet somebody... Um, out of drag is what I was about to say (laughs) in his street clothes (laughs) and um, talking with them and they're like oh I'm nervous I I don't know if I can go to Pride and him like trying to cheer them up and they're still like "Mm, no and so then like as Superman is like hey I'm going to Pride you coming with like there, there could have been so many ways to be like I'm with you I'm part of you like you can be whoever you want to be and you're still yourself and accepted and loved like that it just could have been a show me that you're part of the group i don't know it i just my english teacher was back here and i was like (laughs) so i was i don't disagree with you that there wasn't much 
narrative there. Um, but I sort of liked it to start off the book. Um, oh, yeah. To me, it didn't... I, I mean, I would be reluctant to describe this necessarily as a story. It feels more like a snapshot or, a, you know, a vignette, several Intro. scenes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think comparing to last year's Marvel Voices, um, where we had um, we had a character basically just give us sort of an info dump on History. all of the yeah. you know the ways this this was a little more abbreviated but it set the tone in the same way and so i did like that a lot i agree that giving us the history behind the symbol of l um is a little overplayed at this point unless you're brand new to superman in general you probably know about the symbol um mm-hmm. yeah but i will also say that now I'm wondering just, I narrate shit in my head all the time. <laughs> so maybe that's I guess it's a me thing then. Difference. Um, totally. Know, maybe, we're, maybe I'm just the same kind of weird as, as our new Superman. And I, but I also want to say one of the like brief moments of, I guess, conflict in this, right, is that Damien is fully armed up for pride. Um, He's concerned about security. He read the history. He knows it's a riot. Uh, and I think he's right. I agree with him. I am not. I want to be very clear for legal reasons. I am not in- encouraging any of our listeners to bring weapons to their local pride celebration. No. <laughs> I am just saying it's good to be vigilant. <laughs> it's good to be ready. Point. And I appreciate yeah. the spirit that he is bringing to it. <laughs> hundred percent. And I honestly, when I first read like through the whole anthology, it wasn't until one later that I will like piss and moan about <laughs> that the exposition <laughs> box got on my nerves. Then I went back and started over and like wrote down notes of which comics had exposition boxes and which comics didn't. Cause there's three that don't. And I was like, yes, this, ugh, ah. you just, <laughs> you don't need them. You can, you can tell the story by showing me what you want to say. And so we'll get into that later. But that was the thing. I do agree that this one is just like a little little timbit <laughs> of like what the rest of it's going to be. Um, but yeah, it was it was just so like this one out of all of them is the least like argh, shake my fist at with the boxes. But it was yeah. like it starts here. This is this is what's happening. <laughs> what's happening? Now I'm thinking about timbits, though. I haven't had one in a <laughs> Sorry, Canadians. A little, a little off topic. Down south, do you guys get the Tim Beebs, or is that strictly in Canada? In Canada? Um, so I listen to another podcast that does like bits about upcoming fast food phenomena. I have heard the Tim Beebs advertising. Um, there are Timmies in the U.S., but there isn't one near me, so I don't know uh, if mm. if Timbits or Tim Beebs are locally available. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't. So this is Dunk's territory, and we don't. They don't make Timbits, of course. They make Munchkins, but I haven't had one of those in a long time either. So I think, really, I just I want a tiny donut. <laughs> They're great. They are. More importantly. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was just picturing like a turf war between Dunkin' Donuts and Tim Hortons. That'd be weird. <laughs> so <laughs> if if that was a Timbit, this next story is a bit of a donut. I, I might even call it the I don't know, Boston cream. It's my favorite. So this is <laughs> Confessions. Uh, so this is written by Stephanie Williams with art by Megan Hetrick. Colors by Marissa Louise and letters from Ariana Meyer. So this is uh, what at least myself i've always uh, i've always called her nubia and i think everybody does but later on in the story it really makes me think it's nubia and with the way someone pronounces the, the mispronunciation so it's really i don't know um I, so i think it's still nubia and that I, that I character thought, yeah. was just kind of a jackass because it's, yeah like nubia is a place it mm-hmm. is so I don't, yeah, I'll, I'll still go with Nubia. So this is uh, the recently crowned queen of the Amazons, uh, since Hippolyta has unfortunately passed away. Um, this is a story in her past where she was given a sword by her uh, significant other, I'll say Eo. Another name that I've never known how to pronounce, Io or Eo? I've never known. I, I go oh, with that one. I can't help yet. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's Io. It, it's, there's a lot of, of, of Greek and Roman stuff here. It's I'm really sure my ancient yeah, my friend who is a professional classicist is cringing so hard listening to us. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> she ever hears this? I'm just gonna get a text full of pronunciation. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is during her time guarding Doom's doorway. She was on an adventure in Man's World, and she had a sword that was broken, but she did not tell the truth about the adventure that had happened. And apparently, uh, I have not gone to double-check, but this adventure you can actually read in Mr. Miracle number 25, potentially. Oh. It has to do with Big Barda and a women's wrestling circuit for um, charity. I forgot that cool. word, charity. Uh, <laughs> interesting story. I thought it was, it was a lot of fun. Nubia's been big in the comics recently and in a major way, in a very good way. So this is definitely a fun story to check out. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And the inclusion of Big Bart I thought was really nice. Um, yeah, so I really dug the art too. And that, that fake cover was amazing. But what did you guys think of this? Because I could just go on and on about the art. Yeah, I thought it was really cleverly done because there's only two pages of like current Io and Nubia talking and the art style is so stark to the quote unquote flashback. Like yeah. usually when I see a flashback in a comic, it's for like a few panels. They don't do the whole page being a completely different art style or and they'll just change the colors usually but it's usually the same art style so like kudos to this artistic team for making such a big stark difference in the between the present day and past um i in my notes had written like um they're participating in a glow-esque wrestling match this is fun and then i also (laughs) said like there's a good balance of showing the audience what she's telling io instead of her just telling io what happened and there's no exposition boxes um so i really like this one (laughs) (laughs) yeah i thought this was a lot of fun um 
I loved the sort of character mix-up we got the jump back to. I actually looked up, because I'm not familiar with Mr. Miracle, but 25 issue 25 was published in the late 70s. Um, oh, wow. Oh, wow. So it's, it's a real throwback, and I think the art style sort of reflects that, which is very, very cool. Um, I just, I also really loved the whole, you know, trope of, oh, I'm embarrassed to tell my spouse about this thing or my partner about this thing. I'm afraid, you know, they're going to be mad. I went off and and I broke this gift by using it in a way other than designated and just, you know, her partner, Aya, learning the story and just busting out laughing, being like, of course, this is what happened. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you were afraid to tell me that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. It also felt like I always like, that's so you also. Like, mm-hmm. when you first told me, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I get to see you again. Big whip, I'll fix your sword. But now I'm sitting here like, oh, you didn't do it on purpose. Like, maybe I, I originally thought. Because that's the other thing, too, especially if it was so early in the relationship that it was like the flirting un- and like testing waters phase. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, did you snap the sword and have to come see me? Like, Io probably had like all these like I don't fully believe your story anyway, but the fact that it's this story, I was probably sitting there like that is not what I pictured at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah so super cute. Honestly, it was a lot of a really fun one. I, at the end of the day, I would say, and in keeping to what we were talking about last year, I, I did mention. There is a lot of Nubia going on this year, and I will mention there's a lot of John Kent going on this year as well. Another, similar to the grape we had last year, there's no, at least not a lot, there are a couple of stories that mention where to go next to check out these characters, but not all of them do, which is a shame, because most, if not all of these characters have stories coming up. Guaranteed. So... Nice. Nubia you can find currently, I believe, also came out this past week. Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, number one, is a four-issue miniseries, but potentially more on the horizon. And Superman, John Kent, is in Superman, Son of Kal-El. Ongoing series. Definitely check that out. Uh, so any final thoughts on our Nubia story? It was short and sweet, so there's not a ton that you can say about yeah. it, which is the only downside. Yeah. Okay, so that'll bring us to number three, which is titled Think of Me, and it's written and drawn, uh, writer and artist team, of uh, Rose Stein and Ted Brandt, with letters from Frank Zvetkovic. Zvetkovic. I hope yeah, I pronounced that right. <laughs> yeah, so this is a uh, fan favorite, or maybe cult fan favorite even, character. Oh. Uh, Connor Hawk, fresh from his adventures in the pages of Robin, doing a little uh, adventure, um, <coughs> excuse me, saving the day from Music Meister, another very uh, low-key villain that you never hear about. Uh, all while he's writing a letter, I guess his post-adventure writing a letter to his mother, uh, coming out to her about the fact that he's asexual. And throughout that, you just see a little bit of adventure with music, uh, with him taking on Music Meister and saving the day uh, from, or saving a, a theater and an orchestra from him. 
And at the end, there's a little tease of the Devil Nezha, which you will see coming up in the pages of Robin, and you may have seen in the pages of Batman Superman World's Finest. Again, a very unique art style that I really enjoyed. And as I mentioned, Music Meister, one of my personal guilty pleasures when it comes to villains that you just never see. I wish there was more Music Meister. I wish there was more Pied Piper. Where's all the musical-themed villains? <laughs> Let's have some fun The with band it. kid in me <laughs> is crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, so what, what did you guys think about this one? Um, my first note was think of me um, for fun of the opera <laughs> so the fact that like he's at the opera house and that's the play that's happening yes, sure. and um, all this stuff I was like ha ah, cute oh of course my dog's upset um, <laughs> uh, dog's not a big fan fan apparently or my singing probably the second one um, <laughs> again this comic um, has jeez sorry <laughs> i don't know if you can hear him um lots of uh exposition boxes simply because there's no dialogue because he has earplugs in so like there's a reason for it um and then it's interesting to me that on the last page is him coming out in an exposition box by saying i'm asexual and it also like at the very end has continued this adventure and so i in my notes was like it's the first continue reading this character in a comic this is exciting i know where to go um but it's just the only problem i had i really like the art style it reminds me a lot of the pied piper one from last year so i was curious if it was the same creative team um but i didn't actually look it up before we started um my only critique is that like it is important to have the messaging of coming out it just seemed weird that if he's talking to his mom, because I don't know these characters, he's, sorry, yeah, he is saying, uh, I was trapped on Murder Island, I have a new best friend named Damien, also my dad, you know my dad, Ollie, he's, like, weird, he kept taking me to places and then would tell me to bring a date, I'm like, wouldn't your mom know that? I get he's an absent dad, but I assume you would have told her some of this before? Like, I don't, like, the telling her what's happening in your life part, I get the telling her you're asexual, yes, that's important. It's the middle part that I'm, like, struggling with. It's him telling the audience before he actually says I'm asexual, because that was the thing. Like, the first part he says is that, like, they'd mysteriously happen to not show up, so he had an extra ticket, so he'd tell me to bring a date. And I never did, and so I, at that point, was like, oh, because you're asexual. And then three pages later says <laughs> I'm asexual, and I was like, oh. <laughs> What? Like, it felt like a lot of build-up. And they had really nice assemblies of music and feeling like you're off rhythm, and that is totally relatable for lots of people in the LGBTQ community. So there were parts of it that I was like, this is really clever. Like, there was just things. It was just that little section in the middle where I was like, why are you explaining to your mom what your dad did? Wouldn't she know this? Wouldn't you have gotten home that day and be like, dad did it again? Like, it just was weird to me. I was like, unless your mom's also absent, like, you grew up somewhere without either of them and now you're trying to reconnect across like a decade to this mom i just didn't understand <clears throat> excuse me explaining the part about the dad in the middle because it felt more like a setup to the final revelation of the comic which is fine it just it it, it made my brain very confused and it took me out of the comic 
I mean, you're so, actually again. not far off the mark with that. Connor Hawk has a very complicated history. Um, Fair. And I don't quite know fully the relationship he has with his mother, but mm-hmm. you, you might be like right on the nose that he's kind of estranged from both parents. I know he, he grew oh, okay. up in a, in a, um, in a, um, like a monastery kind of, um, way up in the mountains and away from people. And mm-hmm. then eventually wanted to find his father and found out it was green arrow all over queen. So that there's a lot of, of disconnect with his father there. Um, but also not the first time Ollie has had estranged children that he's tried to raise. So, he just fails at all of them so <laughs> um yeah it, it might actually be like that as well that he's, he's trying to connect with both his mom and his dad in different ways so yeah and so, and that makes sense yeah no i was just gonna say reading it my i haven't read the the arrow comics um much my exposure to that whole universe is is mostly through tv but one thing i did know was that Oliver Queen's children generally uh, are estranged yeah. from him and generally speak like, yeah, not, not being close with your parents when your parent is uh, green arrow is kind of par for the course um, for whatever reason. And he mentions being stranded on Lazarus Island for a long time. And I'm like, all right, well, either she knew that or, you know, I don't know how much of his, upbringing was there so like some of it felt very like yeah you know my dad I'm like surely your mother knows who your dad is but <laughs> yeah if anyone's going to um that part felt a bit much but I guess explaining things to her like in such detail I was able to write off as a combination of well arrow children and <laughs> Yeah. And their parents don't <laughs> tend to communicate well. Um, a combination of that and just thinking, well, if I'm trying to come out to my, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's a big deal. Beat around the bush. Yeah, he's he's definitely yeah. in his head a lot. You know, it's mentioned yeah. he's, this is not the first draft of this letter. It's happening. Oh, know. no. It's, he's tried to write it many times, and so I think it, some of that is probably just him mentally going off course. Um, yeah. But I just, to me, it wasn't, one of the parts of this that was so important was he's coming out of Ace, and I, I will say this, Ace Arrow people are, are valid, they're real, I, you know, power to them, but this is an, an asexual person who's not, um, by his own description, aromantic, and, and is really kind of longs for the comfort of a romantic relationship but, you know, without any sexual component. And I think that in some ways is an even more awkward thing to have to communicate to a parent, someone who, you know, I don't think most queer people or even straight people want to talk to their parents in detail about their sex life. Mm -hmm. And so then to have to come out in a way that explains, like, not only, you know, the way that I love is not what you expected, but to have to spell out explicitly anything about your sex life even if it's not wanting one um can just be so i don't it seems like a really daunting challenge yeah i don't envy him at all it's it's a fine line to walk even with like friends um i have a friend who has told me they identify as asexual but 
he has a partner. And so it's one of those things where routinely I have to like point out to people like if you're not in the bedroom, you don't get to ask those questions. Like there's certain things that you just don't need to know. Um, like, for example, having a family member who is a lesbian was married to a woman who is now a trans man. I don't need to know if she's still a lesbian or how she identifies. Like, there's no reason for me to know that. They are still together. They are still married. Like, what goes on in their bedroom doesn't impact me. Um, and there is an element of, I need to get this off my chest, and, like, I will feel relieved once someone knows that's personal deep truth about me. It's just so hard to vocalize it, verbalize it, and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I totally get that part, too, that he's, like kind of beating around the bush or trying to like work himself up to saying I'm asexual and stuff. That all makes sense. It's so relatable for me too in that part. And it's just a lot of like trying to in as few words and leave as little room for questions <laughs> as possible. But there's always going to be yeah. questions, especially when you are the person who basically needs to educate. Um, and it's difficult. Yeah, I think it's kind of a classic queer struggle over a lot of our, our various identities is this line between, you know, wanting to be known and accepted for who you are, but also, you know, wanting people to mind their own damn business about some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, so yeah, be sure to look for more Connor Hawk in the future, uh, as we mentioned, the pages of Robin going forward. Uh, so next up, we have Up at Bat, uh, written by Jedzia Axelrod, with art by Lynn Yoshi. Uh, colors from Tamara Bonvillain and letters from Ariana Maher. So this is a brief story about Alicia Yao, who, if you read gail simone's bad girl in the new 52 you'll be very familiar with i did not uh, but i definitely always wanted to uh, so it looks like i'm a little late uh, a transgender woman living in gotham city uh, was best friends and roommates for a while with barbara gordon and therefore also bad girl but then also friends with bad girl and in true gotham city fashion had no clue they were the same person that did not stop Batgirl from needing help from Alicia after being attacked by this killer moth, uh, taking her to the, I believe it's still the Belfry, uh, to get help. And then while she's still down and out, Alicia needs to don a costume, get out her bat, and take on killer moth herself, which she does swimmingly. So this is actually not a character I'm very familiar with, as I may have mentioned. Uh, I don't believe there's anything going forward with this character, but you will see her in the upcoming live-action Batgirl movie coming out, I think, oh, next nice. year. Yeah, so that's going to be nice to see. Wait, that's for the story. I think playing her. Uh, there is a casting, but I don't remember the name. I was I'll actually look just looking later. at it. Um, Ivory Aquino okay yeah i know the well, name but i helps. can't place her so <laughs> yeah um i'm glad that you had some background info on her because my first note was 
I like the point they're trying to make, but it feels forced if his character is new, who we won't ever see again. <laughs> because yeah. to me, going from last year's Dreamers comic in the anthology to this one, it gave us so much exposition on who Alicia is right in the very beginning. And then there was like dialogue between her and Batgirl, and it worked much like throughout the rest of the comic. But I was like, if they need to info dump, this must not be a very like uh, established character yet. And so I really was worried that they like representation for the sake of representation, because last year in both the anthologies, it almost felt like they had a checklist. Like, Hey, we need a gay story, a lesbian story, a transgender story, a non-binary story. Like it almost felt like it was, you get one of each. There you go. Um, and so I was worried that because Nicole was busy doing like a full dreamer comic later that she didn't have time to do a short one for the Scientology. And so I was worried that they just like, eh, we'll just make something up almost. Um, but the fact that she is more of a permanent fixture in the DC universe as a whole in the Batgirl or Batwoman, uh, stories um i was like okay phew, before i was like i'm about to be like don't just pull out your pony because it's june and say we have a transgender character like i was gonna be so angry but it's reassuring to know that she's not a one-off i did really like her as a character especially having like um i'm always reminded of like buffy the vampire slayer i know he should not be named but having buffy yeah. and her friends who especially in the beginning don't have extra powers they're just xander with a bat like that kind of thing and seeing that they can be helpful even if they don't have something mystical about them or magical about them or extra um that everyday people can also do good and kick butt yeah, yeah i yeah. think a lot of this story i liked that it centered on a, a civilian so to speak although i'm sure she won't mm. be one for long um because so much of what she said reminded me of every trans woman I know. Um, you know, this exhaustion that we keep fighting and we keep fighting and it feels like it's the same battles over and over again, especially this year um, with the legislation that we've seen, with the attacks that we've seen. It's, it's a lot and it takes a lot out of you. And still this sort of casual confident way she flips i'm a trans woman in gotham of course i have a weapon like to to be this braggadocious about just living with the awareness that your life is kind of always in danger um you know you can be you can laugh so you don't cry you can cry but you just to also see this sort of pervasive and i'm not trying to suggest that all you know trans women are are armed and dangerous <laughs> um, or that they should be, but that just, yeah, there's sort of this this expectation, I think, that she will be frail, right? That she'll be shy, mm. that she's this kind organizer type. But no, she's she's way more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I've, and, def- sorry. I, I, and sorry. Even, <laughs> and even yesterday I was on TikTok um and they had like you know how tiktok likes to do those blind react if you're this person stop the audio now and like record yourself kind of thing um 
and so it was this trans woman and she said if you're a cis woman stop this and record and so she goes through a list of statements and she's like if this applies to you put a finger down because the point at the end of her audio was that she's trying to show cis women that trans women face the same fights that they face and even like kirk had uh through work like an opportunity to listen to a speaker and she was this trans woman and she talked about how like it was weird going from a male friend group to a female friend group that females sometimes are very like quick to cut you off and cut you out of a group kind of thing. Like there's, and I've noticed in the recent years that there seems to be a lot more camaraderie rather than competition between women. And I just really hope that that continues to improve because women's liberation is all women's liberation. It's not cis or trans women separate. It's together. And so that part to me, I also really liked that the two of them were together and fighting the same creepy dude who was stalking Batgirl. <laughs> yeah, what a freaking pervert Killer <laughs> Moth is. Because <laughs> it's also true that women walking down the street at night will do the key thing between their fingers. Like, of course I have like all these things in the back of my mind in case I'm attacked. Like, of course I have pepper spray. Like, it doesn't matter where you are there's always these things that women specifically need to be mindful of as opposed to men yeah very unfortunate thing and yeah killer moth definitely came across as very creepy in this one um beyond him though i I definitely felt this story was very empowering in a way if if Mm -hmm. you guys get that vibe um I do hope we see more of this character. Uh, I do want. I hope this doesn't come across wrong. I hope not in a costume because there's just so many costume characters. There's not a lot of civilian characters. Um, mm-hmm. Not everybody that knows a superhero needs to put on a mask and a costume and fight crime. So I really wouldn't mind. And again, I, I think we, we should definitely check out some of Gail Simone's Batgirl run, which I hear is very good to begin with. But even just to check out this character... And, and see how much fun she is. That and, and, she uh, has, yeah. Yeah, like how powerful of a character she really can be. Because this definitely shows off a good show of force without needing to put on a costume. So mm-hmm. hopefully lots more uh, to see from Alicia Yo in the future. So I'll bring us to our next one. Uh, which is A World Kept Just For Me, written by Alyssa Wong, with art by W. Scott Forbes, and letters from Ariana Maher. So this is Jackson Hyde going on his, I I don't want to say first, but maybe most important date with Hawe. Again, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's Atlantean. I really don't have a background to check. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm just going to go with Hawe. Uh, meeting his family, uh, basically showing each other where they grew up. Uh, Jackson being a member of the Zebel homeworld, but never actually spending a lot of time there, gets to see a bit of his uh, motherland, I guess, if you will. His mother's from there. Uh, and meeting Hawaii's family, and then taking Hawaii to where he grew up in New Mexico, a dry, arid desert. So <laughs> that that was a little bit of a interesting fun. And if you've been following Jackson Hyde over the past couple of years, you'll be seeing a lot of connections he's had with Highway. So this was a, a very fun story to see. And also just a, a, a story of acceptance of yourself 
and where you come from and also being true to who you are which was very nice to see which they've shown a lot of jackson hyde recently so it is it does feel like something that's been done but it's still very good to see because uh, it's done really well especially with highway being involved and the art i've never seen jackson hyde in a book with that art my god i love how people draw underwater <laughs> so <laughs> uh so I'll, I'll, leave, I'll pass it on over to you folks My notes were very short. I said, Jackson, wait, Aqualad from last year? Yes, 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 yes. Relatable. Hot. Relationship milestone. Yes, yes, yes to all the hometown dates. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, like yeah. like Rob said, it was very pretty, very relatable. Um, no exposition boxes. Um, and as someone who grew up in a small town where I felt like an outcast, like, I, I am Jackson in that too. And it's sometimes a little embarrassing to be like, this is where I'm from. Please don't judge me because of it. Like, especially when you are so different from your hometown and um, you don't feel like you belong with the people there, but the places that you have memories of still shaped you. Um, it's a very like, weird nostalgia like line to tread and i definitely believed it in the comic um like specifically my hometown is known for buffalo because there's like a buffalo uh conservation paddock kind of thing and so there's a statue as soon as you like get to main street of this giant buffalo <laughs> and so people like see it and they're like oh you're from the home of the buffalo and it's like eh, kind of like i'm just so used to them so like we went to um Yellowstone National Park one time and all these cars were stopped and my family was like what is going on like is there a bear or something so we pull over sure enough it's just a buffalo and so we're like oh we see these every day like there's certain things that I'm like really <laughs> jaded about and you don't realize it until you're like oh most people don't grow up with this in their backyard yeah. um, so I definitely got that of him being like this is my town it's like hot and sucks and it's far away from water as possible Ugh. but this diner's really cute we always came here for brunch I was like oh like, me too, bud. I really liked how he acknowledged growing up, like, he felt disconnected from his heritage because of where they lived. And that there's this sort of sense, you know, I wish that he wishes in some ways that his mother had made different choices and that the choices that she made, like, have hurt him somewhat like to raise him there to keep everything hidden um but that acknowledgement doesn't come like or rather that that wish that longing doesn't come with anger it comes with the acknowledgement that she was doing the best she could um and i think that that's something that we're gonna see and that's gonna be relatable hopefully as more and more parents of queer children or children who are different um, can safely come out at home. You know, we're going to have parents who are doing their best and wanting to make sure that their their kid has the best possible environment, but that that's not always going to, you know, it's not easy to do and it's not always easy to, to make that choice and you just have to try your hardest and make it known that you, you love them and they'll be safe with you. And I, I, I feel like that was a really nice note to have in there. You know, that his his relationship with his mother isn't destroyed over this. He, he doesn't feel great about the place where she chose to raise him, but he understands her reasoning for 
for choosing where they wound up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I, I don't know. I want us to have more complicated stories about queer people and their parents that aren't just, oh, they, you know, they accepted me or they didn't when I came out. Um, yeah. That element is important, but it, it's not the only one. Yeah, like Iceman and X-Men, it feels like all I ever hear for him specifically is that it's always a negative reaction with parents for him. And mm -hmm. so if that's what Iceman has to deal with, then having other characters who have that difference, I think is so important. Like some people that I know personally, their parents like have a knee jerk reaction that's negative, but then they take a week and they're like, I still love you. Like I, I'm sorry the way I reacted. Like everybody's human. Everybody makes mistakes and treating our parents as humans who also make mistakes. It's hard growing up, especially to recognize that they're infallible and they like make mistakes, but it's even harder for the parent to acknowledge to their kid that they messed up. Mm -hmm. And I, I will say at least for comics, that might be a little more complicated as I would love to see stories like that too, but it's, just seeing the stories that we do, there's so many complicated relationships with the parents to begin with. Even with Jackson Hyde, yeah, he had a reason. And that's story. the ones that don't get killed off. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I like Disney the recent characters. story with his with his mother uh, that she basically just lied to him about everything that she may or may not have been a terrorist. So there's a lot more drama. There. Oh, I was giving her too much credit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think. It, it turned out that she was like kind of a terrorist like like maybe but not really it was really weird um Shang-Chi's dad has entered the chat <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 complicated in that regard where it, there's definitely a story to be had with with his coming out to his mom and seeing a full story and discussion with that but then at what point do you just like pause the whole terrorist angle <laughs> and go on to that which you get with a lot of characters which maybe we need to maybe we need to have a bit more realism as we've been saying for a, a long time and a lot more recently comics have always been political so let's get into it so our next one will be number six that is the gumshoe in green I'm very curious to see what you two think about this one because the, while there's a lot of exposition, I think it might be necessary because <laughs> this is a it, while it was a very good book, it came out of um, it's a very confusing world. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so this is written by Teeny Howard with art by Evan Cagle and letters from Lucas Gattoni. So this is Green Lantern Joe Moline back on the city enduring as you may or may not have seen in Far Sector, which was a very good book, 12-issue run, check it out. Beautiful artwork, wonderful story, uh, and a wonderful introduction to this character, Sojourner Malene. Uh, so she's back on the City Enduring uh, after the adventures there where they got emotions back. Bear with me, this is this is a lot. They had emotions back. They didn't before, but now they do, and now people are just going apeshit. And one of the, the races... Uh, which whose name escapes me, the Ketopli are a bit carnivorous, but about against it. But these two, uh, this this man and woman, this married couple, uh, 
just want to f- see what it feels like because they're getting emotions back and uh, they want to eat Green Lantern. So, <laughs> okay. uh, I, yeah. The, the artwork I don't is know really else. nice. <laughs> the artwork is Before we get, great. I want to get into that because it's 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 built, it's constructed as a a classic like '40s mystery, like a like a PI detective story, uh, but the only color available is green until Joe gets to the end and sees her old flame, Sizen or Sizen again, alien language, don't have a reference, and then the color shows up again. So, <laughs> that being because said, I'm I have, very curious. I have so yeah. many feelings on this one. <laughs> yes, yeah. I really want to know what you guys have to say. <laughs> go, go, There's oh, so much true. backstory to go on. And All I right, can't so wait this to was by the far ad-ass. the most confusing story to drop into, I will say. Mm. And while I appreciated the note, like, here's the book you need to read to get the context of this world, um, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have. I'm not disinterested. I just there wasn't time this week to go, you know, to dig it up and, and read a whole other book just to familiarize myself for those few pages. Um, so I, I want to talk about the noir angle and how great it is. I want to talk about how the whole feelings coming back thing and not seeing color or only having the color green reminds me of Lois Lowry's The Giver. But more than anything Hmm. else, I want to throw my hands up in the air and scream about how she goes through um, all of this, you know, back and forth. She's she's working. She's not working. She's been hired. She's following people. She's on the loose. What are my feelings like? And it turns out they were unicorn hunters the whole time. (laughs) It's just I feel like this is something uh just about every bisexual who's ever been on a dating app can relate to, right? <laughs> this yeah. this hetero couple that just wants to try something out figures you'll be up for it because <laughs> because yeah. you said and, swing the, and she ways. rightfully yeah and she rightfully gets pissed off, you know, uh, being being attracted to people regardless of gender or being attracted to people of multiple genders does not mean that I'm ready to just drop everything and you know get eaten by you carnivorous plant couple (laughs) 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 and it's so perfect to me that not only like it's not just that they were unicorn hunters looking for a, a bisexual or polysexual person to have their little experiment with but that they were actively going to hurt her which I think a lot of people don't realize it is hurtful when you reach out to someone and, and basically ask if they want to be your experiment, you know, and you, the, mm. the level of disregard for the, the bisexual persons or the person not in the couple's feelings that can show up in a lot of these messages. Um, so it was just, I was, I was laughing because it reminded me of so, so many gross people <laughs> on the internet yeah. And I'm again, I don't want to discourage anyone who's trying to open up their life and, and try new things. There is a, there are ways to do it that are respectful and can be, you know, great experiences and enlightening. And, and there are people who are happy to be a, a couple's third. But respect is important. Consent is important. And not um, killing and eating them is also a really important <laughs> part of it. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. <laughs> But also, like, being up front with the invitation. Don't disguise it as yeah, something Yeah, don't pretend else. to yeah, hire don't, them. Don't run around. Yeah. 
Oh, I just wanted to get to know you. That's even creepier. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to know if you could pull it off, if you'd be subtle enough. It's like, oh, you're worried about after the fact with your reputation? Is that what's... Yeah. I... Like, everything Caitlin said, I echo. Um, my thoughts on, like, the art, the first thing I wrote was, like... Oh, this is like in 2008 when everyone had that camera app that let you pick a color to stay and everything else was black and white, <laughs> uh, which isn't a bad thing in like retrospect of like the whole comic. But like the first page, I was like, oh, this must be Green Lantern because it's green. <laughs> like, and then it just put me on like a bad foot. But then and at the end, everything makes sense. And I genuinely thought that the world was black and white like that um this planet or whatever the light doesn't reflect well enough to reflect color or something um being like newly into fantasy novels in the past couple of years where it just drops you into an alien planet and it's like we're we're gonna like feed you information as you go along you'll learn like why the women wear sleeves on this arm and not this arm like that kind of stuff this was easier for me to get into than it sounds like maybe for Caitlin. Um, cause I don't need to know everything off the jump. I needed to know that alien planet. Cool. Okay. Green lantern. I could have gotten there. Um, and emotions are coming back. Yep. That's important because the timing of this story makes sense now that they're getting these emotions back and therefore are experimenting like that part I get. And yeah, the first thing, after that that I wrote, because I just read, was love the messaging that bi does not equal poly. Um, and the exposition boxes existed to explain the planet and then existed because it's a detective. You obviously wouldn't sit there like, hmm? oh, excuse me, like pontificating about the person you're like tailing or whatever is going on. Like you need to inner monologue. And these ones specifically felt like Joe was inner monologuing as opposed to telling the audience. Um, after the, like, initial, like, on this planet, there's these three aliens types or whatever. Yeah, yeah I thought like, that the the box, the monologuing were very classic film noir. Yes. You know, everything yeah. was doing fine until she walked in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that was the thing, like, there is a time and place for boxes, especially in comics. And it, I didn't even, like, really register them. Again, we'll get to it. <laughs> The one that really, like, broke my camel's back, as it were, where I then was like, fine, I'm going to make a note about all of them, so just angry. <laughs> so, yeah, this one I liked, and yeah. again, if we're going down the checklist, this is the bisexual one. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> nice to see, and I was glad that it was longer than the Pied Piper one we got last year, just because of how short it was. Um, yeah, I, I dig it. Which, like... Now that you mention it, um, if, yeah, if we're going down the checklist, technically we've already had two, because they, they didn't make that very apparent, but the, the Superman, John Canty, is bisexual. Oh, and, okay, cool. And Nubia may or may not be. It's, it... Huh. Yeah, it's and I very... don't need them to label them every time, and yeah. it's actually better if they don't. Yeah. Cause that's... Like, it's nice to have some ambiguity, almost. Be who they are at the end yeah. of the day that's how it yeah people which are which is nice yeah um yeah the, this as much as i enjoyed the story i i may have enjoyed it more because i know the story from fire sector um mm. but also because like it, it was a huge book when it came out i think in 2020 uh and it was a top of the charts fan favorite it was really good 
but another thing about it, it was very colorful and a very beautiful. The city in Durian was a very beautiful city, and it was a, a planet where uh, the three races were there and just hated each other and engaged in war constantly. So uh, a cure was found where they just eliminated emotion from everyone and they all just got along. And there were some people that protested that, but they were just arrested and, and locked up. Like, you're crazy. You want to feel stuff? No, that's stupid. So then, through Green Lantern being requested to be on the planet to solve the first murder in centuries, uh, helped the people come around to just feeling things again, and emotion is now back. And, yeah, we see what's come of that. So <laughs> people start so murdering she, again. So <laughs> Is she the only Green Lantern on this planet? Yeah, so it's it's... It's titled, okay. titled Fire Sector because it's in a, a part of the, the universe where there is no Green Lantern patrolling it. Uh, gotcha. It's a sector that's kind of just left to itself, and this planet okay. requested help. So I mean, that was suggested in the narrative. That's pretty clear. I am just thinking to myself, gosh, that's a big job. Yeah. Um, and I do want to know, do you guys, do Canadians have to read The Giver in school? I, I no, didn't. but I, I read it. I read okay. the whole series. I didn't even know uh, there was a series. I just had to read the first one in seventh grade. <laughs> yeah, I when I was 16, because I was this kid, I instead of like a birthday list, I asked everyone to give me their favorite book for my birthday. Um, and so one of them from, I think it used to be, especially since I think Lois Lowry is Canadian. I don't remember. Don't quote me on that. Um, so someone had said that they had read The Giver in school. And so that was the book they gave me. And I read it. But they gave it to me as, like, a box set, so it had all four books. Um, and honestly, just read The Giver. You don't need to read all four of them. Um, <laughs> it, it's basically the same message three times, and then the fourth one is kind of a coming together, but I honestly don't remember it. It, it did not stick very well, so I don't know how impactful it was or if there was really any messaging anymore like there was with the first one. Um, but yeah, I... I do get that vibe a little bit but yeah i just the first image that popped into my head was specifically i went to like another girl's grad when i was like 16 in 2008 and her dad and parents like posted photos of the grad and they definitely did the thing where like the only color that stood out was the color her grad dress was because it was like a very popular like everyone's got a digital camera now and everyone's getting the same app that lets you do this like cool photo editing thing but it was like now looking back it's like a little bit cringy <laughs> it's like i mean why? that was a big motif yes for, for a minute though i think too, yes I don't, it definitely was it just sort of reminds me of like the it is powerful imagery but that's why they used it on the poster for i want to say like schindler's list yes yeah they did yeah i think so uh the little Wait. girl's coat is red yeah and, and there's like a rose that's red gray yeah yeah like, if you use it sparingly and not in every scene, I think it works. Um, but this, for me, it felt more like... Because that was the other thing with looking back at these grad photos from that year of time. Is it's like, you've washed out all the color of the person's face. Like, I wish that the person was all colored, know what I mean? Like, their hair, their face, mm -hmm. their clothes, like, rather than it just being... Because then also, like, for like a Christmas card one time because it was for Christmas and we were wearing red and blue. My mom just had red stand out, but that meant me who wore red stood out. And then my husband who wore blue was all gray and white. And so he was like, 
I look like I don't We're matter. We're not going <laughs> to speculate on what your mom is saying about your husband. Yeah, that one. a little bit. No, it was definitely just like, and my dad too, like just the little accents and pops, like it made certain people in the family photo really stand out and others not. Like it was just so mm. bizarre. I was like, mom, I know you didn't do this on purpose. Do you not see how this looks though? <laughs> she was like, oh, well, I couldn't add green. So I just did green text or whatever. And I was just so like embarrassed for him. I was like... Please don't read into this. It's just my mom. <laughs> so that was what stuck out. I, I don't know. I did think it worked in this in this yes, book. Yeah. So, much though it may not work in certain Instagram photography. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I thought it was powerful here. It was also kind of weird to see. I don't know because she's talking about carnivorous plant people, and I guess this is, I don't know, some kind of biased. But for me, in my mind, if I hear plant people, I would assume that they are green, um, at least partly, because I plants have chlorophyll. And yeah. <laughs> so on Earth. To be, yeah, on Earth, that's true. I don't know anything about this planet. Maybe they're another <laughs> color. Maybe they are. Maybe they exist in grayscale. But it just it felt oh. a little bit funny to be seeing these two characters who, in my imagination would be green but Should they be. are not yeah. drawn in green even though the yeah. other green stuff is showing up green it was cool mm. yeah that's a good point i didn't even think about that and I, I don't remember if they were i want to say they were but they might have been like all all shades of what tree leaves change color to as well so mm-hmm. yep yeah well, that will put us at 6 out of 12 stories, and we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, don't go away. And welcome back. Thanks for sticking with Not a Robot. Hope that wasn't too painful, as Brandon always says. I don't think it was, though. Come on. So, we are on to story number 7. This is Public Displays of Electromagneticism. That sounds like a mouthful. Uh, so, this is writer uh, from writer Greg Lockhart. Uh, or Lockhart, sorry, not Lockhart, uh, with art from Giulio Macchione and letters from Aditya Bidikar. So this is the Ray, Ray Terrell of originally Freedom Fighters on Earth-10 fame, but also in a book I completely forgot about, Justice League of America was around maybe six, seven years ago with this team, and they kind of just disappeared, so it's really weird to see them back. But it was a very interesting team. Uh, and there's a little story of them doing a little team building um, with a new uh, training room that Ray and his boyfriend Zenos have built <laughs> using hard light holograms. Uh, and there's a little bit of an issue in the field with uh, Shadow Thief. That is Shadow Thief. Uh, so Ray gets out and tries to save the team, but in doing so, he also kind of embarrasses himself where Xenos goes for a kiss in front of the team, but he pushes him off, uh, kind of unsure about that public display of affection, I guess, instead of electromagneticism. And then there's a bit of a pep talk later on where they, they kind of get along and, and talk it over and explain each other's sides, and in the end come together and have their public display of affection and everybody's happy about it. It was a nice little story, I think. A bit taken aback at Ray making that choice because he, he never really seemed like that kind of character. Uh, but I think it really fit the story. So 
really good art. Which um, which choice? Of just the the not being so public about who he is, especially with the team that he he spent so much time with. That it's a very accepting team and a very open team. And for Zenos to go in for a kiss and just say no, no, not not in front of them, it, that's that seems very out of character. So it was a bit surprising mm. to see. I I don't know. I mean, I think that this this story speaks to the fact that people have different levels of comfort with PDA, mm-hmm. even if they're perfectly comfortable with who they are. Yeah. Um, although they do then kind of wash that away at the end. Uh yeah that was my only real like criticism of this one was that it felt like a very flippant personal view like that he was willing to okay you're right like (laughs) like, if it instead of being like oh i was self-conscious in the moment if instead it was like i was distracted like because i think that's the other thing too that is so true especially of people who haven't been in long-term relationships that like ask is is, oh how do you make it work or whatever and communication is key like as soon as you start like assuming that you know what they're gonna think or say that you're not even gonna have those conversations and they might surprise you either way like good or bad um like speaking for someone else is never the way to be happy together long term like eventually it'll just cause resentment and stuff and so for me like the initial like oh no it felt more like in the moment he was flustered because he was glad that their experiment worked kind of thing but they made it seem like he wasn't into pda which again like caitlin said different people will have different levels of pda like comfort level at home at work um with their friends in public all that kind of stuff um and it also was like they were both super mature at the end when they like come back together i was like you guys must be like 30 plus there's no way that two like 20 year olds would be that mature about like hey i'm so sorry no i'm so sorry like it just felt very like that they were very mature about it and i was just surprised because i assumed that was my like interpretation like coming into this having not read the original justice league of america comics that rob mentioned is I assume that they're young heroes, that all of them are probably under 40 kind of thing. Um, so it, it just seemed like they were very in tune with their emotions and in tune with like their partner, which is very mature. And I'm happy to see that if it's authentic. Like I just don't know their relationship outside this comic. Yeah, and pretty much out, outside of this, there, there wasn't much to go on either. I think even in the original series, there there were hints towards it, but I don't remember if it actually got anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. This as nice as the end was, it it just feels like the message is clearly there, and the message is mm-hmm. is, is strong, but it, it it still feels like a bit of an out of place story for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it felt a little rushed. Um, you know, like they were he's upset now he's fine. It was here's our. Yeah. Story-wise, I didn't connect to this one super well. However, man, I love the artwork. I like the Ray (laughs) in fighting mode, the way that he's, um, you know, illustrated, where he's very dark to sort of uh, emphasize the light that's 
coming from him that's extrapolating out mm-hmm. of him it, it's extremely cool looking um mm-hmm. so i like i liked it for that part <laughs> Yeah, and also the exposition boxes were well-placed in the beginning to explain who he is, where we are, and then there's that one page where it's, like, all black around him, and he's, like, kind of, like, falling backwards almost, and there's little things of flashbacks around him. Again, I feel like well-placed exposition boxes do their job very well in as short a time as possible, because this is only, like, a six-page comic, so you don't have a lot of room to work with. And this one, I feel like, did them well. And it's just very... They weren't afraid of light and shadow, I noticed, in the whole comic. Which was nice. Yeah. Good contrast. Yeah, that, that is a very good point. I didn't picture the... Uh, yeah, the contrast I had going on. That, that actually was very good. Because that, that is that page where you're talking about when it's he's covered in darkness and he has those flashbacks. That's mm. the, the character development that we've seen of him over the years that really stood out for me that made it seem like this was very out of character. Mm. But then he breaks out of that and then realizes his mistake with a burst of light. Um, so yeah, I think we, we've said enough about that one. That It, it did feel <laughs> a bit odd, but yeah the artwork is fantastic uh well that will bring us to our next one which is a very short one or at least it felt very short was bats in the cradle written by stephanie phillips drawn by samantha hodge the colors from marissa louise and letters by lucas gatoni so while batwoman is involved and um it's it doesn't really feel about batwoman in this it is it feels more about her father jacob kane uh, and it's, it's a bit of a twist on the story. So this Jacob is um, taken hostage by, I believe, Russian forces, if I'm gathering that language properly. And Kate, his daughter, Batwoman, comes in and saves him. And they work together to take out the mercenaries and get him to safety. And in the last page, you see him going through his own memories of her growing up and how her being who she is and being true to herself helped him grow as well so it actually is a, is a very nice story and the side that you don't see often we did mention earlier about you don't get a lot of that parental connection but this this really highlights that um where it's not a coming out to jacob but it is his side of her coming out and being who she is and how uh her actions and and being who she has made him a better person as well and and how he reacted to all of it again not a story you see very often but i, I think it it hit the mark pretty well and a lot of exposition boxes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean this, this, I... Was, this was the straw yeah <laughs> this was the straw you were like i can't this is all exposition and i can't do it I literally um, read out loud, but you go first. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> um, so I read this one. It's four pages. Uh, I literally read out loud the dialogue only to my husband, and he was like, what is happening? <laughs> it's like three dialogue bubbles of, we're threatening you because you're tied to the chair, and then my daughter made me change because it's flashbacks. <laughs> like that that's it they don't actually speak to each other in present day much like it just boggled my mind i was like okay 
if he's reflecting on how she's changed him, him getting out of a hostage situation and fighting bad guys is something it sounds like he did before because he brags about toppling governments. Like, I don't, I don't know how she actually changed him at the end of this. He just says she did. So I'm like, okay, this is a very important story for both kids and parents to hear, especially if they're reading this anthology together. Like, having a kid read, like, this out from the parent and being like, oh, it took me, like, I like I don't even know how to, because I'm not a parent of a child <laughs> who is LGBTQ. <laughs> but if someone had that experience and was able to write a story about, like, they came out and I was supportive, blah, blah, blah. To a kid who's questioning at six years old or seven years old or something, that would be huge to hear their parent is willing to read this anthology with them and, like, is okay with this character saying that they accept their child. Like, I can place that onto my parent and now hope that if if what I'm questioning becomes true, that you're going to react the same way that this guy did. But there's none of that. It's just action for the sake of action. And again, we talked about, too, that it's important to also have civilians as part of the whole universe and contributing and their thoughts and opinions and feelings. But I don't actually know what he feels. Like, I was just so disappointed. And I was like, there's so many. So, yeah, this one was the straw that broke my back. And I went back through the rest of them and was like, are the rest of them this dumb? And no, this one, this one's the worst. (laughs) But it made me like, look at the rest of them with like a fine tooth comb. Like, I will seek you out. Like, I, I just, yeah, I, I had a lot of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I feel like uh, a few minutes ago when Rob had read The Far Sector and we hadn't, and it gave so much more context uh, for that Green Lantern segment. Because this, the flashback where Kate is discharged yes, yes. from the military, mm-hmm. for her, that is almost shot for shot what happened in flashback on the Batwoman TV series. And so yeah. <laughs> the, the, the difference being the major difference, I think here being in this flashback, he sees himself sticking his hand out and saying, well, you were discharged for being who you are. And I raised you to be that way. And I can't, whereas in the TV series, he does, he doesn't exactly disown her. But he sure is heck not pleased about it, right? That her losing her military position is a huge point of contention for the two of them. Um, yeah. And then they go on well, throughout the, the first season to, to be at odds with each other because he doesn't know that she's Batwoman. Um, and they yeah. don't, you're right, they don't tell that story at all. It's just kind of this moment um, that, and I think altering, or I won't say altering, this is the the book is its own story. But I think mm-hmm. having the, the flashback set up in that way where verbally he is kind of on board with her, I don't know if that's supposed to be him picturing the way he wishes it had gone or what had actually happened. But yeah, the saying she changed me um, or, you know, I learned to adjust loses yeah. some of its profundity when you see him immediately like embracing her upon her her dishonorable discharge and telling her that he's proud of her. Um, You know, these, these are kind of discordant ideas. And so, yeah, yeah, this one was frustrating. I, it didn't drive me bananas. I just kind of went, Oh God. And I think it also just reminded me 
how much I wanted to love Batwoman the series and couldn't. I just couldn't. Yeah. Like, so what I can say about that, because I again looking at the the same panel you're talking about, what what I would assume is the change is that when when he's saying you were discharged for violating Article One Twenty Five that that's homosexual conduct, you get the the idea that he is a military man, career military man, uh, he's high up, he knows his stuff, and there is that that air in the military of homophobia and yeah. And, and just, like, stick to the rules and don't get discharged. So what what they did in the TV show is essentially what he was prior to that moment in the comics. But then when she comes home and reveals to him what, that ha- what, what happened, and that would be his changing moment. Where her being true to who she is, but... It just, to me, yeah. like, because I've grown up with so many people who are like, oh, it's fine if it's not my family. Like, I have no idea what he was like as a person before this interaction at the truck. Like, him knowing that it's homosexual conduct, he's, like, leaving. And it's also that kind of thing where, like, some people know their kids are gay from the moment they're 10 years old, but they don't say anything until the kid chooses to say something about it. Know what I mean? And so it could have been that. Like, I, I have no idea who he is as a character and stuff like that. It just... Like, for me, because I have such, like, a weird relationship with my mom, like, reading this, I was like, you can show, like, you did something one way, and then afterwards you did it a different way. Like, for my grad, I had a dress that I couldn't really hem, and so I wanted to wear sneakers underneath, and my mom was like, no, you're not going to drag it across the floor, wear these heels I got you, because then it'll, like, save the dress. And I was like, okay, fine. And then for my wedding, I was, like, adamant. I was like, I'm wearing sneakers. Like, I want to be comfortable. Like, all this stuff. And so she's like, okay. And then at the reception, she's, like, giving her speech. And she, like, lifts up her dress to reveal that she's also wearing sneakers. And I had no idea that she'd been wearing them all day. Like, there's different things where, like, parents can learn from their kids if they're willing to be open and accept that they don't always know what's best for their kid, especially. Or mm-hmm. in the certain situations. And so for me, it just felt like he was doing what he usually does and she came and saved him and then he said yeah thank you for being my daughter which is a good sentiment don't get me wrong i I love the sentiment Mm -hmm. i just wish it showed it rather than told us but they only had four pages like i do get that it was really really short but i was like you don't have to do action for the sake of action especially when it's this short like i do get that if you're reading a bunch of comics about a bunch of superheroes that action panels can get boring so you want monologues or inner like thoughts to be on the same pages so that it's not visually kind of boring after 20 30 comics um but it just felt like you can have a serious one like the jackson and huawei uh, <laughs> i forget how you pronounce who his boyfriend's I think, name. I think I, I always said Huawei. Yeah. Um, but, like, that one, like we said last year, too, like, some of them were just fluff, and it's fine. It's okay to just be fluff. Like, everybody's a person. Some days aren't as exciting as others. Like, it could have just been, like, them hanging out at his house, and he would have said something one way, but now he says it another way to ask about her life or something. I don't know. I just was frustrated by this one. I will, I do want to take this moment, um, because it's been a rough year, fam, uh, to just celebrate that 
in 2022, Kate Kane could not be discharged for these reasons. Yeah. Yes. Small yeah, victories. That is, that is yes. something good. Uh, before we move on to the next story, if you're reading the physical edition, which I might be the... Uh, there should be a digital edition out now. Um, there is a pinup of Ghostmaker by J.J. Kirby, and if you're reading Batman comics, uh, you'll you'll be familiar with Ghostmaker. Very interesting character, kind of a pseudo counterpoint to Batman, but a hero in his own right. I have issue with this though. He he is pansexual and is very apparent about it, very out there. But it looks like he's just straight up kidnapping someone. Yeah, thank you. I was gonna <laughs> ask about that. I was because it like is it. in the digital edition, and I don't I don't know this character because I haven't been reading Batman comics. I don't know what's going on. It just looks like some kind of phantom is kidnapping a twink, and I don't know why. <laughs> it doesn't help that everybody on on the, the pool roof, the roof pool, are, like, chasing after him, screaming, like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> right? This guy's supposed to be a good person. <laughs> okay. My my only thing though is I feel like the people on the roof their entire facial expression is like shock fear, but the person he's carrying like yes the mouth is wide open but it's almost like a ah but the eyes don't look panic like usually yeah. in a drawing like it's the whole body language and like there'd be more flailing like those like little lines to show movement or whatever, but it feels more like a surprised rather than a like ah, like fearful thing but yeah it, it is a little off like oh hello okay yeah. moving on <laughs> yeah uh, this, this one it's, it stands out to me it's just really awkward i don't know what, what <laughs> exactly they're trying to convey there but <laughs> but that will bring us to our next one uh which i'm sure is going to be a fan favorite out there uh, tim drake uh, newly came out as bisexual. Um, the Robin three, technically Robin one right now. Robins are complicated. It, just don't don't think about it too much. He is is one of the Robins. Uh, so <laughs> this is special delivery with story and art by Travis Moore. Colors from Enrica Angelini. Letters from Ariana Maher. And in this, Tim is on his way to his uh, boyfriend, whose name escapes me, but is a character from his old Robin series in the 2000s, if I remember right, Brandon telling me. Um, but he's interrupted on the way by Macro and Micro, a tag team villain with uh, one person being giant, that would be Macro, and one person being tiny, that would be Micro, because... You know, that just makes sense. Uh, they're robbing what appears to be a bank, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a jewelry store. They're not very clear on that. Um, Tim is carrying a box featuring a mystery item that the villains keep trying to get because they think it's some big thing, and they finally get it, uh, but they're like, what the hell is this? It's not what we think it is. So he <laughs> defeats them, and he grabs the box and races off to go uh, meet his boyfriend who I wish I could remember his name I forgot to look it up and he gives them the box and it's a cake for their first pride but it got a little mangled so it just says happy fur pry which like, fur, fur pry just feels like an entirely different podcast but we're not going to get into that right now. <laughs> 
So <laughs> this is yes, a cute little are. one. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, this this was a cute little story, I think, especially if you're a Tim Drake fan, which a lot of people are. And if you're not, why are you a Jason Todd fan? Yeah, with the program. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, this uh, the art was really nice, story was simple, to the point, uh, and you get a little intro to their relationship. Because as, uh, as of yet, Tim came out in the pages of Batman Urban Legends uh, just last year, I believe, and we haven't seen much of him since. And when he has shown up, it's him just doing the hero thing, and not much of his relationship. Uh, so... This this is all new information, so it's not the the exposition. I think is while it is definitely there, um, I, I honestly mm. don't know how to place it if it's necessary or unnecessary because not really catch up. It's more just uh, this this is what's happened since you last saw us. Uh, I thought it was, it was a cute story at the end, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Well, I was on a witch hunt now. <laughs> so my first note was oof exposition boxes and action for the sake of action and then i said the robbers want to steal his package um (laughs) very childish um but the thing that i both loved and hated was the top of every page has a date like one of their dates but it's just a simple not simple it's very like well drawn but it, it, there's no dialogue. He tells us about the date. We don't actually get to see the date. Like, that's the thing. It's, I was so just grumpy. I'm like, you could have shown, like, your boyfriend actually say something. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just Robin talking about their relationship, which, don't get me wrong, like, personal reflection, introspection is important, especially, like, to do, like, check-ins with yourself. But just the way that it's structured, it's very pretty. Like, I love the tops of the pages because they're so pretty. And then there's panels underneath. It just felt like you could... I, I want to see the beach date! Like, <laughs> they could have had them be on a date and then burglars happened. And that, like, I just... I just was very frustrated by this point. And, like, even the <laughs> end of the comic... Um, where did I say? Um... he's no longer talking to himself because then he goes out loud, which is why I'm giving you this, which is a continuation from his inner monologue, but it doesn't make sense if the first first sentence you say to someone is, this is why I'm giving you this, they'd be like, huh? (laughs) What am I missing? Like, obviously that's not how he greeted him. He was probably like, hi, sorry I'm late, but I made up for it, which is why I'm giving you this. Like, obviously there was more, but it just was just so frustrating to see that like as a direct reply to his own inner monologue where he's like i keep messing up i need to do better and show you not just tell you which is why i'm giving you this and i'm like you're answering your own question in your inner monologue to a person who didn't hear your inner monologue what is happening (laughs) (laughs) but again i love date stories like last year my favorites were uh the just chambers one because she was getting a bunch of items before a date sorry they um and then this year too, like Iowa Nubia was really good. Like, I do enjoy fluffy date pieces, but this one I was like, I don't care about micro macro. I like 
we're not going to spend much time with them, so they're really just there for the cake to get messed up, which is fine. Like, having plot devices like that, I get it just was so frustrating to see glimpses of dates and I'm like, this could have happened on any of those or even just on the way to Pride, which again, it also was a little weird that like the first comic in this anthology um, had Pride, like Pride as like a specific event was in several of these, which is fine. It just compared to last year's where it culminated in a Pride event, like the last one last year was... I believe Jackson going and then being attacked and a bunch of heroes showing up. So it just was a little bit like I've seen part of this like going to your first pride and it is an important story and having multiple characters experience that is important. It was just so like jarring and it felt like it just could have been done differently. So it was tell like instead of telling me what the relationship status is or how it's going or that he's messed up and he really wants to have a good pride to show that he really cares. Yeah. I was just frustrated because witch hunt. (laughs) Jess. I don't think I'm going to say this very carefully. I don't think we have ever been more in disagreement about something in the time (laughs) that I have known you. (laughs) And again, that's Um, the thing. I, I think because it showed up right after the bat's cradle, I think if this had been earlier, I I wouldn't have reacted the same way. (laughs) I just, I, my reactions to all of this were so, so different to yours. And I think that that's so funny because normally we like, we agree on, on a lot of stuff, especially like art wise. And I know we tend to have the same or similar taste in things, but I, I didn't feel this way at all. So to me, it's kind (laughs) of like, um, and again, maybe this is this thing where I personally do a lot of freaking monologuing. And while it certainly doesn't happen often and it doesn't happen coherently, I have then said a sentence out loud only for the person I'm talking to to look up and go, yeah, you're going to have to fill me in on the beginning of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sounds really interesting. Can you start over? Yeah. <laughs> but even then, like that didn't I, that didn't feel to me like what was happening here to me. It was more like... Um, you know, watching a movie when you hear in voiceover and then, and it's happened in so many movies, but that, you know, and at the end, the main character like breaks the fourth wall and looks at the camera. And instead of it being in voiceover, it's the actor going, well, or like at the end of SLC punk, he's like, I guess I was the real poser all along or whatever. So you are privy to the whole thing. It's a narrative. They're showing you like the snapshots of these dates. And like, I get wanting to see more of them, but if they did it, I think to be the way you're describing that would be a whole book. It would not fit just in this section of Pride. If we, yeah. if we got all of them, they would have to do so much less. Um, I also love macro and micro. I turned the page on this and I was like, yes, who are these? More, please. They're, they feel so queer coded to me as a pair of villains. They're like so sassy. Of course, it's like the tiny one and the big gal, right? And the, it's like, oh, it's I'm, almost yeah. team team rocket-esque in their, <laughs> <laughs> in their hijinks like uh, i like, would love to see me wrong. them <laughs> i meant that like oh this is a one-off kind of i think last year kind of put a bad taste in my mouth too where it was like pied piper who is kind of like rob said a villain and a hero and it was like except you don't keep them around like know what i mean and so Especially in these yeah, anthologies, I, my brain has just like, don't get attached to the villains. They're like, they're going to write them however they're, they're going to write them, but you're never going to see them again. So don't fall in love. 
they're not Loki. Yeah, that's, I, that's I can the love them. I can love them just for now. And if I never yeah. get yeah. to be with them again, it's it's still a love worth having having had. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and like I I do enjoy like you said the visuals and breaking gender norms and that kind of thing. That's why I love She Hulk. Like that, I totally agree with, and I'm with you. It was just so much of like, just get why. <sighs> I get that you're ADHD. I feel that way sometimes too. You get distracted on your way to deliver this thing. So you're going to, of course you're going to help out because you're a hero also. Like it just, I think again, because of its placement in the like order of the comics, (laughs) if this had been before (laughs) I went on a witch hunt. (laughs) Cause again, I love like the tops of these pages are so pretty. Like the way that they drew the dates compared to the panels, like there's similarities but, like, the coloring, specifically, is so pretty. For, like, there's the barn, there's an amusement park, there's a beach. Like, it's just so pretty. And that's probably why I want more, is I'm like, pity. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know if, if this is what you're getting at, Caitlin, but the way I took all the, the dialogue boxes, and I wish... If this is the case, I wish it was more apparent, especially when he actually showed up to Pride and started talking to his boyfriend, is that um, throughout the, the story, all the dialogue, like the inner monologue, is really just him giving that speech when he makes it to Pride. And that's when he's giving the, the cake to him at the end. It just catches up with the word bubble instead of oh, a dialogue see, box. I've, I felt, I've, in my mind, which, and there's no reason for me to have framed it this way, other than I guess that's what I wanted it to be is in my mind he was like on the phone or he was doing voice text explaining Uh, like hey sorry i'm running late i'll be there soon again there's no phone drawn in any of these panels yeah there's there's no evidence yeah but that's how it works in in fiction sometimes is people just are communicating with each other in a way that is not obvious to you until we get to the scene with the reveal the other thing is speaking of reveals it was clear to me from Jump Street that this was like a present for his boyfriend, not a Batman weapon. Mm-hmm. I did yeah. not know what it was going to be. I kind of, a part of me almost thought he was going to be, it was going to be like a key. Like he was going to invite him to move in together. Or <laughs> like it was going to be a big relationship step. Yeah. yeah. I know. I, I, but it seemed like the way he was talking about the relationship, I thought he was going to do mm. some sort of milestone next level mm. thing. Uh, even though that box was admittedly yeah, way too large for most of those classic <laughs> gestures. Um, but I thought the cake was very, very sweet. Um, and I think mm-hmm. acknowledging that first pride can be scary mm-hmm. for a lot of people. You know, we don't all oh, yeah. bust out of the womb armed and fabulous. So <laughs> I th- it's a really nice, a really nice thought. Um, and I actually have a friend who I will not name because uh, her outness is partial and malleable. But I have a friend who is going to her first pride tomorrow. Oh, yeah. um, so happy fur pride, friend. <laughs> you have a great time. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to go to my first one in an actual like city. Um the problem with like small town prides is that like I work with adults with disabilities and lots of people feel like I have lots of influence over their lives, like whatever I do personally. So it's a lot of like 
we don't need to hear or see what you do personally. Like, we have a dress code that's specifically tailored to try and limit the amount of, like, skin exposed simply because a lot of the clients don't have, like, filters and they won't know the difference between you and, like, a potential, like, girlfriend. And so you really just need to, like, not even have it as an option. And so last year I volunteered with Pride and three clients showed up. So I was like, there's no way that I could, like, not have this become my whole thing that's talked about in june at my job so i just didn't Mm. want to deal with it so i was like you know what like having like subtle stuff for me is all i really need and like parties with my friends during pride is really like more impactful for my life right now so i'm excited to go to like a big city party (laughs) at some point but yeah so yeah i do agree with and like you said the sentiment and we've gotten it several times in this one that celebrating is nice instead of having to riot and having to fight but now we have to fight again (laughs) but i digress uh i'll be honest i'm hurt i'm sorry to hear that that you're not able to just express yourself where you live yeah, it's also, if you know anything about Canada, <laughs> like, living in the middle of the prairies, if you're anything other than super conservative, it's easier to just not talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just not worth the fight that I'm not really worth, like, having. Like, I don't want to be the personified face of the things that you hate kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, because I know that for a lot of strangers... Like, they don't really care, and they're pretty open with, like, LGBTQ stuff. It just comes down to, like, uh, like there was the company in town that posted that they were going to fly the Progress flag this year on one of their flagpoles. And the post immediately had, like, four negative comments and 20 positive comments. Like, it's not that I feel like my company would be upset. It's that, like... I can't control how every single parent is going to feel. And if they don't want me to work with their child, it just makes my job so much harder scheduling wise and stuff like that. Like, it's just not worth to me. Like I'm fine with not telling the client stuff about my personal life because there is a professional boundary there. I'm not their friend. I'm there to help their jobs and their days easier. Like this is a job to me, but it's their life. Like they have friends to gossip with, but if, they latch onto a staff it just becomes really hard kind of thing like it's all these things that if i had like realized i was bisexual at the same time that i started in this industry it probably would have been very different but because i started working and got like used to doing certain things before i even realized that i was bi that it just was a natural thing to just have it as one of the things that i don't include like because i don't usually talk about about what I do on the weekends and stuff like that because I try and focus on them so they aren't sitting there like oh I don't get to do that because they don't have the funds or whatever like I went to the water park I didn't tell all of them about it you know what I mean yeah mm-hmm. yeah so well I do hope on that one happy day note. to see you at Toronto Pride right yes one year I've been to Toronto once but it was not enough time to see everything kind of thing. So, yeah, that'll be good. We've okay, got three left, Okay, well, well, yeah, so that will take us to our next one, which for, for me was a little bit of an odd one. 
Um, but I'll get to that. So this is The Hunt uh, featuring Parley Quinn and Poison Ivy with their wonderful relationship. Uh, this is written by Danny Fernandez with art by Zoe Thorogood, colors from Jeremy Lawson, and letters from Aditya Bidikar. Uh, so the two of them are on what may or may not be a date or a training session or a game or, or something. It's really hard to tell. Uh, but at some point, they're chasing each other around, and then they run into versions of each other dressed in different outfits. And then they, those other versions get really dark and, and start telling each other that they're they're worthless and not right for each other. And then eventually... Harley and Ivy snap out of it and realize the people they're talking to are not who they're supposed to be talking to, and they confess their love for each other and finish off with an embrace and a kiss in love. A cute story. Very nice colors. Very confusing. What the hell was going on? <laughs> what were they doing? <laughs> Who who was the the who are these people this these shadow figures or whatever they are is really weird. One of them had a knife for some reason. I, uh, I well, I, I mean, know. real Harley had a knife. That's just yeah. how she rolls. Yeah, I mean, she I mean she didn't use it to threaten her girlfriend. She just cut herself down. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't this know. was I, one of the most like overtly sexy stories. Yeah. <laughs> In the whole book, by a long shot. Yeah, Yeah, compared to last year's, yeah, compared to last year's, I didn't really have much aside from Ivy and Hurley are back. Whoop whoop! (laughs) Like, there's just not much to say. Um, I said fun banter, overcoming insecurity in your relationship because at one moment the alters like insult the originals. and so realizing and having enough strength in your relationship to know this isn't you, you wouldn't say that. Like, that is so important. And especially, um, like, I'm, I've am i started, like, just going on Reddit lately just for, like, the craft stuff that I'm into. Like, I want to learn to sew this year. Um, and so they have a lot of, like, tutorials and stuff on Reddit. And one of the other things that I've joined is the bisexual one. And so many times, Oof, which one? Because some of them are very rough. <laughs> yes, it was. I think it's just r slash bisexual. I don't remember. Okay. Um, and most of them, I don't read through. I'll only click on ones where it's like, I just need to have some support because I feel nervous or something like that. Those ones, I usually join in and like help, like just bolster someone's like confidence that there isn't a certain level of buy you need to be or whatever. But for this one. Um, Lots of times, too, people will be like, hey, like, I'm not bisexual, but I'm dating someone who is. Um, please help me overcome the insecurity that they will cheat on me kind of thing. Like, again, it's part of that, like, that because I'm bisexual, one person isn't enough for me, which isn't, at least for me, my definition of bisexual. Um, I won't say that that's not the case for every person who identifies as bisexual, but for a lot of it, it feels like you need to know, doesn't matter who they hang out with that they feel the same way in your relationship as you do. And that's why labels are sometimes important, so that you're on the same page, like that kind of thing. So in this comic, I really like that it was showing that, that they had that confidence in each other. Um, so yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I also have no idea where they were. Like, what is this dream palace that they were running around play fighting in? Yeah. <laughs> that they were then attacked by the, like, what seemed like the ghosts of their own insecurities. Um, the setting was, uh, it was a big question mark to me, but I was okay with it. And I think partly because I was just happy to see Harley and Ivy again. You know, I love them. I think yeah. at this point, they are are one of the pairings that maybe needs no introduction because it's been, you know, in circulation for a while. Um, I had fun with it. I thought it was a nice level up. It was just a sort of, you know, it can be scary to admit that you, uh, that you are in love, especially if you are a villain. (laughs) (laughs) You're not, you're like, I don't have the soft squishy feelings. I'm the scary one. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It's yeah. it's always been a very interesting dynamic for for this pairing. When they first introduced uh, the, these two as a couple, uh, yeah, these these longtime villains and longtime friends, but now all of a sudden, like you you just instead of the whole villain side, really, like, oh, okay, come on, like they're they're trying to kill people, like okay, let's finish it. But now you're cheering for them, now you're rooting for them, and you want to see more of them. <laughs> and it's it's really nice but yeah as like i said this one was really cute i really enjoyed it but it was still just very confusing but it's also really it nice is... to see because in, in main comics right now they're not even together what the hell yeah then i demand this be yeah. an annual installment <laughs> harley and oh, ivy's what... trauma bonding hour where <laughs> <laughs> When it, when it happened, when they split them up, there was a massive outrage? storm of, of outrage on Twitter, on all over the internet. I'm just like, why are you doing this? Stop it. You're stupid. Seems homophobic, uh, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll say this, and, yeah. and this is where it gets a little far. There, I think some people actually went so far as to send death threats to the writer, which is not okay. Oh, not cool, no. guys. Not cool. Too far. Too far. Way too far. Right? Yeah. I think back to last year's, because they were fighting like a plant monster, that they threw one line in that was basically um, this thing that we created, and Ivy being like, yeah, enough about that, let's kill it. Like, I think that's all this would have taken, is at the end, them being like, so did you do that or did I? And then having some villain pop up or something, having that be the end of the comic, maybe like it, it would have taken like two lines of dialogue to be like, what happened? And then a reason for it happening, either a villain or like not villain, I guess a villain, but just someone that opposes them showing up. Um, and also I had another note that was like, yay, no exhibition boxes. I, I was gonna say it's funny you mentioned that like, this is one of the few stories with no exposition boxes but it might have been one that could have actually benefited from one or two <laughs> yeah and and again they have their time and place <laughs> just don't overuse them <laughs> yeah just just borrow a couple from another story they don't need them <laughs> just spread it out don't don't concentrate <laughs> Okay, so speaking of exposition, uh, we're on to our 11th story, conveniently on Earth 11. (laughs) I wonder how they placed that one, eh? Yeah. Uh, So this is, are you ready for this? 
Uh, and this is written by Danny Lore and Ivan Cohen, with art by Brittany Williams, colors from Enrica Aaron Angelini, and letters from Ariana Maher. So this is Jess Chambers. Uh, so as we mentioned earlier, uh, you will have heard that name before, in, and I keep forgetting the, the Future State title, a hero name. I, I believe it's just uh, Jess Quick. Yeah, I don't in remember. Future State. I, I, yeah. Like, that's the one thing that frustrates me about DC is I try and Google either the, like, alias of them out of drag versus the alias of them in drag. And there's multiple people who have been both. And I'm like, what? How? What? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I'm like, so, I, I understand so multiverse, reading, but yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a lot. <laughs> and I'm trying to explain to my friend the whole omniverse situation, which is a whole big oh my god they just made it worse so <laughs> um this jess chambers is the same one you may have seen in the recent future state comics last year and is now a lot younger in a more present day exposure as kid quick part of team justice and in this there is the pride event going on on earth 11 in whatever city they're in maybe central city uh, and they're setting up floats featuring all sorts of heroes uh, a villain named Shimmer arrives to steal Dr. Midnight's goggles. Uh, Kid Quick has arrived and is making quick work of Shimmer. But then the rest of the Fearsome Five arrive and begin to take on Kid Quick. But then the rest of Teen Justice arrives to back them up. And together they take out uh, the Fearsome Five very quickly. And get them arrested. And then you get a little tease at the multiversity teen justice series that i mentioned earlier came out this week featuring raven who does not want to join the team for questions unknown and spoiler alert as of issue one you still don't know why so <laughs> um this is a very interesting story to be placed in here because it is technically the pseudo last one of the official dc comics characters book uh, and there is a bonus story at the end, which is uh, story number 12, which we will get to in a moment. Because this is not just a story of pride and uh, being true to who you are, but it's also technically a, um, a first chapter in an ongoing story, which we did get hints mm -hmm. at with uh, both Robins, but this is a direct uh, prequel to issue one. Like, issue one doesn't make perfect sense unless you read this first. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I read issue one. I'm like, who the hell's Raven? Where did this come in? Like, And he's talking about how, oh, I met you before. And like, did I miss that? Was that another book? And then I read this last. I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. And so, mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely read this so there wasn't... if you're going to read Teen Justice. So there wasn't anything in the Teen Justice one that said um, previously from Pride Anthology or something? No, <laughs> ah, which is DC. really stupid because most of the time they do that. They did a lot of, of hints at the DC holiday special, which apparently Teen Justice had a story in that. So I thought maybe it was okay. from that, but uh, it was not explicit as to like where Raven was from. Raven might have been in the holiday special. I didn't read that one. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I haven't read a holiday special in like 20 years. Fair. So, yeah, that. As, as with every step forward they take in as we've requested like as, as we said like spreading out these characters and 
giving info about where to find them, they take another step back at the same time. It's, it's really <laughs> awkward. Okay, so as for this story, uh, it's very simple, very superhero-esque. Um, while it is set at a pride parade, there's not a lot of, of pride base here. It really is just the intro to the ongoing story you're going to get in Teen Justice. So, I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's a fun enough story. Because it had, like, a follow-through and a place to go afterwards, I was like, oh, okay. Them having a doofy villain group that they need to try and, like, <laughs> like that there might actually yeah. be beef between them that will continue beefing. Like, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> in my notes, said, there's enough comic comic! I can read more! <laughs> um, and then I said, uh, I didn't even notice the exposition boxes the first time through because I was excited by the character. They were also well-placed, namely in the beginning, and they stopped by the last couple pages. They didn't need to be there anymore because it was a lot of dialogue um, to show actual story and what was happening. Um, yeah, like comparing this to just exposition boxes in the other stories, I felt like this was really successful. Similar to the Ray one, where it was mostly really upfront to get you like situated in the comic and then like let you just enjoy the story. Mm-hmm. yeah i didn't have many comments for this one because it feels like a teaser for more but yeah. now like out of any of the stories in this one this is the one i'm most excited about because it actually goes somewhere that i could keep reading yeah i I feel like my biggest takeaway from this one was just being sort of confused <laughs> because of how it ends with raven being like and that's why I can't join Team Justice. And I'm like, wait, what's why? Yeah. What's the reason? I don't understand. Because <laughs> I'm edgy. <laughs> and Raven, I mean, it. she's illustrated such that she seems similar, if not the same, as the Raven we know from Teen Titans. Um, you know, or at least her, her powers or her aesthetic might be similar. But that's all we know about her. I mean, unless the answer is, God, Kid Quick is just way too peppy. I can't, I really can't. Kid, Kid Quick is really peppy. <laughs> He's, oh, yeah. There's, you know, there's a very, it's it's appropriate, I think, for teen justice. The, yeah. the, the energy yeah. that he's bringing. Um but yeah, I just didn't notice. And it's not like there's there's also any indicator to me that, yeah, Raven would fit right in. I don't know what the stakes are. It just, it's a weird moment to end on. Yeah. And it was just a, a brief shoulder touch from somebody. I don't remember who touched Raven's shoulder. It might have even been Kid Quick. And it was, yeah, Kid Quick kind like, of sort of bumps into her. Oh, not even that. I'm looking at it again now, and and Kid Quick just like, like okay, give me a moment. He's like, yeah, no, 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 you don't understand, and that doesn't even explain anything. So there's there's probably something even before that. So maybe it is even in the holiday special. Oh, maybe we have to go further. We have to go back to the future. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I'm really honestly i'm digging the characters i'm digging the plot so far but yeah it's it's really confusing from the get-go <laughs> yeah i don't know hopefully it all gets explained because as we see there is more to come 
and is out in stores now, so be sure to check it out. So before we get to our final story, there is another little uh, pin-up ad break uh, featuring Galaxy the Prettiest Star, a young adult novel, uh, which is available now, and a tease of more Dreamer to come from Nicole Maines and Rye Hickman coming soon. Uh, unfortunately, still no release date on that, but it's coming soon. So that brings us to our last story, and there is an advisory con- or content warning at the beginning that it does deal with some very heavy moments and some, uh, I'll say, colorful dialogue. Uh, It is not based on a comic character. While it does include one, this is the story of Kevin Conroy, who also wrote it. Uh, It is drawn and says colored, but there's not a lot of color here, Uh, from J-Bone and Letters from Aditya Bidikar. So Kevin Conroy, if you do not know, is the longtime voice actor for Batman, dating all the way back to 1991, I believe, with Batman the Animated Series, and followed that all the way through Batman Gotham Adventures, and into Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, the Arkham games, uh, basically most WB games featuring Batman, as well as a few different animated movies, and many other things to come. Uh, it's just become the most iconic voice for Batman for an entire generation or three. And this one is aptly titled Finding Batman. So this is a story uh, of his life coming up through the 80s before he, he was cast as Batman. Uh, back in school, uh, being a much younger man, as he says in, in the, the first box, exactly 30 years ago, uh, through the 80s, not being able to be true to himself and and dealing with all the struggles that actors went through and and um, the gay community went through through the 80s with homophobia and not much acceptance and all through the AIDS epidemic I honestly don't want to give too much away because I think it's something that just needs to be read and on the DC podcast this week we we talked about it and compared it to uh, tap 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 which was a story in the green arrow 80th anniversary which is a story about uh denny o'neill which made us all cry and while this one it didn't make us cry it wasn't a tearjerker in my opinion it definitely tugged at the heartstrings it is still very heavy and and something that really should be read because it's not just a, a an amazing story it's kevin conroy's story and for a lot of people while he did come out to the public in 2016 it kind of didn't get reported on or really get noticed so this is him coming out again and this is essentially his coming out story so it's definitely something that needs to be checked out and by the end you see a lot of comparisons of his own life and batman's life that he makes which made him in his opinion the perfect candidate to voice batman I could go on about Kevin Conroy. Please take over. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I will say, I yeah, I did miss his sort of coming out uh, mm-hmm. when it happened. Um, and I think this is a little bit funny because you rarely get a celebrity example, but it's a, it is a true-to-life thing that most of us, you know, you, you don't get to come out once. You kind of have to do it over and over again uh, with everyone that you're exposed to. And, and sometimes you choose not to come out. And, you know, it's uh, it's not always an easy decision. I, I think on this and on other podcasts, I've talked about my own sort of personal history um, with the AIDS epidemic, with 
um, advocacy since then with the the changes that we've made over the years. Um, this year, I, I ran the Boston Marathon for a charity that supports AIDS, re- AIDS research here in Massachusetts, which was um, pretty pretty big honor <laughs> for me. Um, and this this was tough. It's always tough, but to me, it also felt very triumphant. And I my apologies if this sort of spoils too much of the story, but to sort of now come from a place where, I mean, Kevin Conroy is, is the voice of Batman. And it's, I think it's fair to say that, you know, his work had some influence, had some bearing on the Batmans, the Batman that we've had in other mediums since then, right? Like, because prior to this, prior to his animated Batman, we had, um, what, Michael Keaton, and I don't remember exactly when Val Kilmer got on screen, but the the it was Michael Keaton or, or Adam West, and we it was campy Batman, and it was um, Burton Batman, and we've we've had all different kinds of Batmans now, and they're each unique and beautiful in their own way. But the you know the the Batman that comes from a place of pain, a trial by fire, um, you know, a, a sense of not giving up, a fight that that truly seems hopeless knowing more about Conroy's background and, and what it took for him to get to that audition even feels so validating in a way feels it's, it's, it's just wonderful. <laughs> I do, Yeah. Please do read it. And it does a part of me, is just thinking, ah, suck it, homophobes. Batman's gay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My, like, because I just kind of sat with it after I read it, because most of these I, like, flip back and forth with a notepad kind of thing. But this one, I read the whole thing and then just kind of sat with it for a minute. So the first thing I wrote was, I'm really glad they did this one last because it would have been so cheapened if they had put a fluffy... Uh, first date or something piece after this um like the placement mm-hmm. in the anthology was perfect um the exposition boxes make sense because uh, <laughs> it's narrating a life it's his basically whole acting career leading up to um being batman and hiding part of yourself in various circumstances whether it was school or at work or Um, like, with his agent and, like, all his friends and, like, all these different things. And it's so true that lots of people have to compartmentalize their life. Um, And it's hard. And it's also, like, I can only imagine, like, how different his friends would have reacted or, like... because he wasn't fully out when he got the role kind of thing. I can only imagine that, like, going to talk to his friends and say, oh, I have a, like, recurring paycheck now, and it's Batman, and then being like, oh, okay, who do you play, the sidekick? Like, all these different things that were all these assumed things that people of color and people in the LGBTQ spectrum have been, like, sidelined for so long, and now it's becoming mainstream, and it's all these different stories who can tell serious and happy fluff pieces. It's so nice (laughs) to have this range. It's not just stories of struggle. 
Um, it's not just an epidemic that we don't have any end in sight. There's no cure, like all these kinds of things that we have grown in 30 years in certain aspects, which is like Caitlin said, it is triumphant. It's not depressing <laughs> just all the way through. Um, and yeah, just, I also really liked that it was a guy showing how comic characters can be relatable. Even if the circumstances are different you don't need to see yourself exactly represented but seeing someone you can relate to helps enormously like seeing that pain that he shared in common with batman um and how he can draw and try and understand that pain even if it's not exactly the same like it's very true that empathy is one thing but having a direct parallel completely changes your ability to cope with emotions understand your emotions process them like this anthology is what he's talking about in that very end where he's like it's it it almost flashes between kevin and batman in the same exact spots and so that to me was like the really cool piece and i really hope <laughs> lots of people who were angry at his cast excuse me or something would read this to try and like but it might actually show them like this is what this means this is what this entire anthology means to this group of people it's not just that pain can be um, connected or pain can be understood, but also that joy can be understood regardless of where you come from. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, just powerful stuff. I um, I am having trouble putting my feelings toward the story to actual words because it's just. It was it's raw. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is DC Pride 2022. They say number one, but it's it's the only one for 2022. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, as they say on at least on the the variant cover, I got new stories, fan favorite characters, and more pride than ever before. And I honestly will say that might just be true definitely feels more pride than last year uh so are there any final thoughts on the book as a whole maybe any favorite stories a favorite moment i think my favorite story is a world kept just for me with jackson and hallway mm -hmm. it's fluff it's whatever but i enjoy all of it like there yeah. i didn't have a single critique for any of it it was just nice and joyous and being vulnerable and showing us what that's like and learning about who you are where you're from but also in an anthology about lgbtq it mm -hmm. it has lots of parallels that i like yeah um I am appreciative and want more of uh, ace representation in our queer media going forward. Um, so I'm happy with this, and, and I hope it's not the last ace story that we get to tell. I will also say, quick note, we, we kind of skip over in the beginning. There's a series of, like, pride snapshots um, that mentions, among them, that Brainiac 5 is demisexual. Um, I don't know how much this comes up or if it comes up at all really in the books, 
but that was something as soon as I saw, I went, oh, of course he is. <laughs> Just, <Yeah. laughs> um, you know, that's, that's another, I would say, you know, part of the community that doesn't, doesn't always get their due, but yeah, no brainy, mm. that makes perfect sense. Um, so yes, more ace representation, more, more queer stories, please DC and, and more Nicole Maines. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I'm Colin Swarren, where the the Green Lantern comic book fan in me wants to pick the Jubilee story, so I love Fire Sector, <laughs> uh, but the bisexual <laughs> in me really really enjoyed the Tim Drake story, and partially partially also because a big comic fan and I love Tim Drake, but the, both of those really spoke to me, um, on different levels and and just interesting stories to me with yes lots and lots of exposition but i feel like uh, those two uh maybe a bit more necessary so i hope you all enjoy definitely check out this book uh, check out last year's if you haven't i hope you all enjoy it um again happy pride to everyone out there i uh, hope you all stay happy and safe and that's with that is our show so remember you can help support the show at buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR podcast to get access to our discord server and much more and as always there's only one way we say goodbye around here be kind to each other love yourself and don't be a robot